Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. A little quick word of prayer before we get started as we look at Palm Sunday and leading up to, to Easter. Lord, again, we thank you for today. God, I pray over the next few minutes that you would uh, open our hearts, open our minds, speak to us through your word. Lord, we want to hear from you. God, we're not here to hear from me. We're not here to hear the music. We're not here for the wonderful coffee and the best donuts in town. But God, we are here to hear from you and you alone. So God, we pray over the next few minutes that you would speak to our hearts and speak to our minds today. Lord, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is uh, the week before Easter. It is celebrated every year, and it's one of the best Sundays of the year, and I'll tell you why over the next 20 minutes or so. Um, Palm Sunday starts what we call the Passion Week, what we call the Holy Week. It kicks off the week leading up to Jesus's um, trial, death, uh, crucifixion, death, and his resurrection. Palm Sunday was first celebrated back in the third century. The third century believers would travel around um, Jerusalem, visiting the places the week before um, Jesus's uh, crucifixion and resurrection. And all they would do is they would simply sing songs, sing hymns, read scripture while they're visiting all the holy sites that Jesus went to the week before his, his crucifixion and resurrection. Today, you and I, we have the amazing opportunity to do the exact same thing that the people did in the third century. The only difference is they did it in Jerusalem. We're doing it in Asheboro, um, which may be much better than Jerusalem anyway, because we have a cookout and a Chick-fil-A um, and a Sapporo's, and we have Walmart and a couple gas stations where we can get sun-kissed, and we can get that living water, also known as sweet tea. Um, so... Uh, we have the opportunity today that we can do the exact same thing that people were doing centuries, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. They were celebrating the death of Jesus a week before his death and resurrection. Today, you and I have that same opportunity today. Today kicks off the one single event that changed the world. Today kicks off the one thing that not only changed the world, but it changes your destiny and it changes your eternity because of what we are celebrating and talking about today. And of course, that being the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is why next Sunday, Easter Sunday, is the best day of the year, because that Sunday is the proof of our faith. That Sunday is why we do what we do. That Sunday is the day that we celebrate what set Jesus apart from any other godly figure, any other thing that claims authority, any other deity being out there that someone says is God. Next Sunday sets Jesus Christ apart because all those other gods, they, when they stopped breathing, breathing, guess what? They never started back. But Jesus Christ was dead for three days, rose from the dead, 
brought life back from the dead, and in doing so, he defeated death, hell, and the grave, all for you and me, so that we could have eternal life together. That's why we celebrate next week. But this week, we're looking at Palm Sunday, how the whole thing got started, how Jesus entered into Jerusalem. So let's look, if you have a Bible, John chapter 12, starting in verse 12, says this. The next day, the crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. By the way, the festival they're talking about there is the Passover festival. It's the festival that celebrates the Passover of the Lamb in the book of Exodus during the 10 plagues. You guys know what that is? Somebody talk to me. If you don't, I'll tell you. Okay, let me tell you anyway, just in case. So in the book of Exodus, you had the uh, slaves, the Hebrews were slaves to Egypt. God told, sent Moses to Pharaoh, said, let my people go. Well, they got to go to the mountain. They got to worship me in the, in the wilderness. Let my people go. Pharaoh said, uh-uh, ain't happening. They ain't leaving. We're using them for labor. They're our slaves. They make our bricks. We're using them. They're not going. So God sent 10 plagues onto the people of Egypt. That's where you got the, the flies and the plague of the frogs. Anybody at frog people? You like frogs? No, good girl, good girl. Neither do I. I don't touch. I ain't touching a frog. You see a frog around a house every once in a while. I ain't touching a frog. Okay. I don't want to touch a lizard. I don't want to touch a frog, and I want to kill a snake. That's my that's my goals when I'm outside. Don't touch a lizard. Don't touch a frog. Kill a snake. So, back to Exodus. So, the 10th plague, God sent the plague of the death of the firstborn in the family. Um, So, the oldest person, the oldest male in any family would pass away, would die during this plague. Unless, unless you had the blood of the lamb uh, painted and spread upon your doorpost. You had blood from the lamb painted and and, uh, spread on your doorpost. When the angel of death came and saw the blood of that lamb on your doorpost, he would pass over your house and your, the oldest son in that family, would not die. So they get the Passover feast from the angel of death passing over the, uh, the families that had the blood of the lamb painted and spread on their doorposts. So thousands of years later, here in John chapter 12, we see the Jewish people celebrating this one event when God himself saved the Jewish people through the blood of the lamb. Does that remind you of anything else? Come on, y'all, wake up. Does that remind you of anything else? Do we need to talk about the perfect, sinless, spotless blood of Jesus Christ that was spread on the cross and was poured out for you and for me so that one day when our earthly life is over, when we take our last earthly breath, guess what? Death has no power over me because when God the Father looks at me, he sees the spirit spotless, the sinless blood of the lamb spread over my heart. And he does it for you too. That's what they're celebrating. John chapter 12. Keep reading. Let's go back to the beginning. Verse 12, John 12, 12. The next day the crowd gathered 
the crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Verse 17, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because, many people, because they had heard that he had performed this, this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look at how the whole world has gone to him. A couple of things I believe we can learn from this story. Before we do that, let me tell you just a little background about what's happening here. We see the crowd shouting, Hosanna. The crowd was shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. The word Hosanna means save now. It means save now. So these people were shouting, Hosanna, save us now. Save us now. The problem was these people wanted Jesus and expected their Messiah to be a political person to save them from the Roman government. They expected Jesus to come into the town, into Jerusalem, overthrow the Roman government, and set up the Jewish government there in Jerusalem. Can I just share with you this morning? There is no government going to save your soul. There is no authority, there is no party, there is no office holy enough, righteous enough, wise enough, sinless enough to do for you what Jesus did for you. We get ourselves in a great big old trouble when we start putting godly expectations on human people when we start expecting other people to do for us what only God can do for us, you'll be let down every time. Amen? Amen. Right? Yeah. It's only when you put godly expectations on God himself will you never be let down because he will never fall short because he can't because he's God. That's who he is. That's what he does. So these people expected Jesus to come into into their town and overthrow the Roman government and take over as a political way. We also see here that Jesus rode in on a donkey. Jesus rode in on a donkey. Um, anybody ever did any donkey riding? A couple years ago. Okay. How old am I? 40? 30 years ago. <laughs> 30 years ago, there was this thing kind of popular. Uh, I don't know who did this deal. But people would come around to local high schools and they would play, you know what I'm gonna say? Donkey basketball. You got anybody ever remember that? Anybody ever do it? I did it, okay. Um, I've always been kind of an uh, extra large type guy. Like I've always been big boned, um, I've always wore extra large shirts. Um, you get what I'm trying to say? I've always been big, okay. So me and my buddy Marcus, Marcus is the same size. We decided we wanted to uh, 
tandem ride this donkey. So we both got on that donkey. Y'all, no lie, that joker fell over when we sat down on that donkey. Y'all feel bad for the donkey. What about me and Marcus? Our self-esteem was shot. My self-image was damaged. Because I'm the guy that's too big to ride the donkey. Luckily, since I have higher self-image and self-view of myself, I don't care. (laughs) Um, So we rode a donkey. We tried to shoot some basketball on donkeys. It didn't work out. Here we see Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem. What's the point of Jesus riding the donkey into Jerusalem? Well, the point is this. There's two different things, two applications for us. Number one is that Jesus doesn't always show up the way you think he's going to show up. Jesus doesn't show up the way you think he's going to show up. These people wanted Jesus to come and take over Rome, to take over the Roman government. If a king, we see this in the Old Testament with King David, when a king would ride into battle, well, they wouldn't ride a donkey. They would ride a horse, a big, strong horse that could hold me and my friend Marcus at the same time, and not a little donkey that's going to tip over when a little hefty kid gets on him. The king would ride in on a horse. Here we see Jesus riding in on a donkey. Jesus doesn't always show up the way we think he's going to show up. Jesus may show up and look a little different in our lives than the way we think he's going to look in our lives. Look at the way Jesus' life started, the birth story of Jesus. It's completely different than the way you would think the King of Kings, the Son of God, would be born. Right? He was born in humble circumstances. He was outside the hotel. He was in a trough. He had animals around. He was born in humble circumstances. Look at the way Jesus lived his life was in humble circumstances. Jesus himself says, I have no place to lay my head. Jesus was a wanderer. He wandered around. He had no home. He had no family. He had no people. He had people with him, but he had no roots in anywhere. Jesus was a wanderer humble circumstances. He didn't travel with a big caravan of people. He didn't travel with an army. He didn't travel with people taking care of him. He didn't travel with big, great stallion horses and people fighting for him. No, he come in humble circumstances. And here we see Jesus coming into Jerusalem in a humble circumstance. Jesus doesn't always show up in your life the way you think he's going to show up in your life. Sometimes he looks a little different. Sometimes he comes in the form of a person. Sometimes he comes in the form of a person that you may not even think has nothing to do with you or doesn't even care anything about you, but you soon find out that that person loves you, that that person wants to spend time with you, that person's been praying for you, that person has blessed you, that person has helped you. Maybe God will show up in your life in the form of a new job. Maybe God will show up in your life in the form of a new friend group. Maybe God will show up in your life in a way that you don't think it's even possible for God to show up. But when Jesus shows up, he doesn't always show up the way we think he's going to. Number two, we are called to reflect that same humbleness in our life. We see Jesus riding in on a donkey. Today, I believe that we do Jesus a great deal of service. We honor the Lord when we too live our lives in humbleness, when we live our lives in humble circumstances. I hope you know today that anything that goes on here in this place on Sunday mornings has absolutely nothing to do with us. 
If you ever see me up here on Sunday mornings talking about me and how good I am and how great things I've done, you have full permission to come up to me and slap me in the face. Like Will Smith, yes, <laughs> yes. It's not us, amen? Any good that happens here ain't me. It ain't you. It's not Alex. He would be more Alex than me, but it's not even Alex. It's Jesus. Anything that happens for us is because of the glory of the Lord. Any blessings we have in our life today, it's not because we did it, it's because God gave it. The people that we have in our life today, the people sitting beside of you right now, the blessings, the loved ones that you have in your life, it's not because you did it, it's because the Lord gave it to you. Everything is for the Lord. I believe we get ourselves in a great deal of trouble this morning when we place ourselves much higher than what we should. When we think of ourselves much more highly than what we should. Listen, can I be honest with you? I am looking at some really good looking people this morning. I am looking at some people who have their stuff together. I am looking at successful people. I am looking at people who are dressed nice. I am looking at people who smell good, who got their family together. Listen, it's great. I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. And I wish you'd write a book and help me get there as well. Truth be told, Without the Lord, we have nothing. Right? You take the Lord out of our life, guess what? We have nothing. You take the blessings of the Lord out of our life, what are you left with? Nothing. We are called to be a reflection of Jesus' humbleness here on Palm Sunday where you and I humble ourselves and realize it's not about us. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I need. It's not about what I want to happen. No, it's about the Lord. Jesus rode into the town on a donkey. These people thought he was coming to save them from the, Rome, from the Roman government. They had no idea he was coming to save their soul. He was coming to forgive them of their sins, and he was coming to change their life. The second thing I believe we can learn from this story is found right before this story. In John chapter 12, let me tell you what happens right before. John chapter 11, we read that um, we read where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, one of the best miracles you're going to read in Scripture. Uh, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Then right after that, in the start of John chapter 12, we see the story where Jesus is at a dinner, and Mary comes to him and pours the perfume on his, on his feet and wipes her feet with, his, with her hair. You guys know that story? Right, and then Judah said, why is she, why is she wasting all that on, on perfume, on, on Jesus' feet? And Jesus said, listen, bro, you don't understand. You're going to have poor people with you all the time or you can give stuff to. I'm only here for a short period of time. You better get out of me what you can. I'm only here for here now. Tomorrow I could be gone. Then we read this right here. John chapter 12, verse 9 says this. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Verse 10, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus, 
uh, to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing him. I believe the second thing we can learn about Palm Sunday is this. The enemy will always try to kill the evidence. The enemy will always try to kill the evidence. Here we see the chief priest. They're already making plans to kill Jesus. But not only are they going to kill Jesus, they say, we got to take out this Lazarus joker too. Why do they want to take out Lazarus? Because he's evidence of Jesus' power. He's evidence of Jesus being who he said he was and doing what he said he will do. Lazarus is the evidence, and here the enemy wants to take him out. For you and I today, I believe the enemy is no different. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus says, and he will do that by stealing, killing, and taking out your testimony. Your testimony is your evidence of your faith. Does that make sense? Your testimony, the way God has changed your life, the way God has moved in your life is the evidence of your is the evidence of God's power in your life. The way you talk, the way you act, where you go, what you do when you go there, what you say when you're there, that's the evidence of God's power in your life. The enemy today would like nothing more than to destroy your testimony. Why? For the same reason we read there in John chapter 12. Because of the evidence, because of Lazarus, people were coming to see Jesus. Because of your testimony, because of what God has done in your life, because of the evidence in your life, people are attracted to it. Your testimony is contagious. Your testimony can do more to draw people to Jesus than me standing up here and talking for 25 minutes ever could. Your testimony... Your faith, the evidence of God's power in your life can do more to attract people to Jesus than me talking for 25 minutes ever could. Amen? Amen. Do you realize how important your life is? Do you realize how important the decisions you make are? Every day I'm talking to TJ and one day I'll have these same conversations with Anna Lee. And I hope, I hope, I hope and pray that my great, great, great grandkids and TJ's great, great grandkids, I hope they'll tell stories of how their great, great, great grandpa loved the Lord. I hope they don't tell stories how he fell off of a donkey. I hope they don't tell stories about basketball stories. I hope they don't tell stories about where he lived and what kind of house he had and what kind of car he drived and any of that stuff. I want my testimony for years and years and years to come to draw people to the Lord. We have the opportunity today. You have the opportunity today to allow your life to allow your decisions, to allow your words, to allow your testimony to draw people, not to you, but to Jesus. That's what we celebrate here 
on Palm Sunday. The enemy's trying to stop it. The enemy's trying to kill it. The enemy's trying to take your testimony out. While the enemy may try to kill your testimony, truth be told, you and I, we're the ones that decide if we put the nail in the coffin or not. Here's what I mean. The enemy will tempt you, right? Anybody was tempted this morning driving up 64 on the way here? I was. Got behind a slow car. I wanted Dale Earnhardt Jr. and move him out of the way and keep going. The enemy will tempt us to try to take our testimony. The enemy will tempt you to try to ruin your testimony. The enemy will tempt you to try to make a decision that goes against your belief and your faith and your testimony. But ultimately, it's up to me. Ultimately, it's up to you whether you're going to follow the enemy or whether you're going to follow Jesus. It's nobody else's fault, right? Does that make sense? It's not the church's fault. It's not mom and daddy's fault. It's not the Republican's fault. It's not the Democrat's fault. It's not the white people's fault. It's not the black man's fault. That's us. That's you. You decide whether your testimony is going to be for the Lord or whether it's going to be for something else. You're the only one that can make that decision. The enemy will try to take it, but you're the only one that decides, no, no, bro, not today. I'm living with the Lord. I'm trusting in him. I'm trusting in his direction. I'm trusting in his hope. I'm trusting in his provision. Not today. I'm with the Lord. And because of that, because of your testimony, it could be the catalyst. It could be the slingshot. It could be the starting point for people around you to believe in the Lord. That's why the enemy wants to take you to take it out. That's why the enemy wants to ruin your testimony is so that other people will not believe. Number three, the third thing we see here in this story, the third thing that we can learn here in this story is that Palm Sunday um, points to a future victory. Palm Sunday points to a future victory. Here we see the whole crowd. What were they shouting? Come on, y'all. What were they shouting? What does Hosanna mean? Oh, y'all. Thank you. Save now. Save us. We'll take save us. That's good enough. That's good enough. The whole crowd was shouting Hosanna, which means save now. They were celebrating. They were happy. They were clapping. They were shouting. They were victorious. However, they had no clue what they were celebrating. They thought they were celebrating a government overthrow. They had no clue what they were celebrating. Verse 16, John 12, verse 16 says, at first his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things that had been written about him and these things had been done to him. They had no idea what they were doing. It wasn't until after the resurrection, after Jesus was glorified, did they, first under, did they then understand what had happened and what was going on. They were celebrating a victory they knew nothing about. Today, you and I, 2,000 years later, we're looking at it from the back end. We know what the victory is. Amen? 
We know what the victory is. They were shouting Hosanna. We know what the victory was while they were waving their palm branches. We know why they were victorious that day because of the resurrection. Revelation chapter 7. Let me read this to you. Revelation chapter 7. This is John getting a glimpse of heaven. John is seeing this in heaven. Check this out. Verse 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count in every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne, before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding what? Palm branches. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. These people in John 12 had no clue about Revelation 7. You and I, we know about Revelation 7. We have access to Revelation 7. We have access to the future. We have access knowing what's going to happen. We have access knowing that when Jesus died one week later from John 12, that he was going to raise again. He was going to live again three days later. We have access to know, we have the word of God to know that in 40 days he was going to ascend to heaven. We have the word of God to know that God is there right now preparing a place for you and I so that when Jesus comes back to this earth to take me and you home with him, we have a mansion in heaven waiting on us. We have access to know that. These people did not. My friends, today on Palm Sunday, if there was ever a reason to celebrate, if there was ever a reason to clap and to shout and to sing and to trust in the Lord and to put our hope in the Lord, it's because of Revelation 7. It's not because of what we're doing here today, but it's because of what God's going to do for us in the future. It's going to be because of that day when the sky splits open and a trumpet sounds and you and I, believers all across Across this world will ascend. I don't know if we're going to float, if we're just going to vanish, or what's going to happen, but I can't wait to see it because that is when the proof of our faith will be seen by the world. That is when the proof of everything that we believe and everything that Jesus said and did will be seen by the whole world. That is when we will join the Savior in heaven forever. Ever, and that's going to be me and you in a white robe, waving a palm branch, saying glory to God in the highest. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the victory that we get to celebrate today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the struggle, the pain, the valley, the trouble, the, tr the tribulation you're going through. But what I do know is this, future victory is coming. Y'all didn't hear me. What I do know is this. Whatever your struggle is today, whatever the deepest heartbrokenness that you're going through, whatever the past pain that you're just getting out of, whatever pain you may be into tomorrow, it does not compare to the victory that we have when the skies open and Jesus calls you and I home with him forever. Amen. Amen. Palm Sunday points to the future victory. Palm Sunday is not so much about today's victory. Because these people thought today's victory was going to be military. No, it's spiritual. 
Palm Sunday says, look, Palm Sunday's a peek into the future. Palm Sunday's a peek into Revelation 7, where you and I will have white robes, and you and I will have a palm branch, and you and I will be in God's presence, celebrating, worshiping, glorifying Him above all else. One last thing. One last thing. When that day comes, when the sky opens and that trumpet sounds, sadly, not everybody will get that celebration. Not everybody will meet their loved ones that have already passed on in heaven. There's only one way for that to happen. There's only one way for you to be there in Revelation 7. And that way is through Jesus Christ. That way is through Easter, which we're going to talk about next week. That way is through putting your faith and belief and hope and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. The truth is we're all born as sinners into a sinful and broken world. With no hope of salvation, with no hope of heaven, with no hope of forgiveness. The Bible says that the wages of sin, the payment for sin, the payment for being born into this world, what you get for being born into a sinful and broken world is what? Death. The Bible said the wages, congratulations, you're born to earth, you're going to die. <laughs> Happy Palm Sunday, you're going to die. The Bible says just because you're born into a sinful world, you're going to get death. The wages is death. The payment is death. What's required is death. We read in John chapter 12, Jesus humble, humbly rode a donkey into Jerusalem, got arrested a couple days later, went through six different trials, people shouting, crucify him put a crown of thorns on his head, had him carry a cross to Calvary, nailed him to the cross, hung on the cross for over six hours. And then Jesus himself said, it is finished. And at that moment, the enemy thought he won. At that moment, the enemy thought, death conquers all. But you and I know the rest of the story. Three days later, death had been defeated. The grave had been defeated. The enemy had been defeated. Hell had been defeated. All because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of his death. Because of the nails and that blood. Those wages, that death was paid for on your behalf. On your behalf. And your behalf. And your behalf. And your behalf. Your behalf. Jesus' blood covers you. Covers Robert covers Martha and D and Davy and Jay. I thought Jay was asleep over there. 
Because of the blood of Jesus, today, we can have Revelation 7. We can celebrate. We can clap. We can shout. No matter what we're going through, because we know what's coming tomorrow. Amen? Let's stand together.